God bless you this morning. I know you're mellow. You're feeling mellow. Right? We're just marinating in the Holy Spirit. Mm. That feels good. Thank you, Joey. <laughs> Is that meant to be? Give me a give me a music stand. Give me a whatever. I'm I'm I go with the flow. Johnny Senior had a birthday this week. Praise the Lord. With the challenges he has had this year, he's able to just come forward and praise him. So we, we bless him. And I know there was other birthdays. Wandy. Tanya. Let's, let's, let's tell off. Let's tell on everybody. Who? Ernesto. Te quedaste calladito. Benny. Benny, was it your birthday? Today. Happy birthday to you. Hallelujah. Who? Tammy? Oh, Eli. Hi, Eli. Happy birthday. Isela? Wow. This is good stuff, man. Do you know, Pastor Jay and I have a new birthday as of May 4th. Those of you that have been here, you've been following what the Lord's been doing. We feel like we've had a rebirth as of May 4th. Something clicked in our spirit. The switch went on, and we're not turning it off. We refuse to turn it off. See? Yeah, yeah, because I feel the intensity of the spirit every single week. Every, more than that, every day. Every single day. But I'm going to talk to you about that. I have to dismiss children's ministry. Children's ministry, nursery, teachers, don't, don't, don't get worried. Before the end of the message, Evelyn is going to go get you so that you have an opportunity if you want to be ministered to today. God has a plan today. He started telling me about it about 7 o'clock this morning, 6 or 7 o'clock this morning. He laid it out. I said, Lord, I'm, I'm just going to follow. I'm going to follow. So everyone is going to, look at all these kids. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know what the Lord is doing with us adults? It's, it's, it's kicking in for the youth and the young adults starting what day? The youth. You, you, July the 12th. Youth and young adults. For four weeks, Pastor Jay and I are going to be pouring into you Holy Spirit. Four Fridays in a row. You've got a lot of notice, so do something with your work schedules. But show up. You see all these children here? They're not going to stay behind. These children, they're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They're going to be learning Holy Spirit from a young age. Start now when they're little. Lay hands on them and pray Holy Spirit on them. Seriously, how many of your parents, your grandparents, lay hands? I lay hands on mine all the time. 
And if they want to get slain in the spirit, go right ahead. But lay hands on them. Claim Holy Spirit. Claim spiritual encounters with your children. That they may have encounters with God that you've never even experienced. That they're going to come to you and they're going to tell you, Mom, Dad, last night I had a wonderful dream and this is what the Lord showed me. Wouldn't you love your kids to do that instead of coming to you every morning crying and screaming that they had nightmares? How about switching that around? How about turning that around? And you can turn that around when you start pouring Holy Spirit into your children. It'll turn around. They're going to pray at levels that you never prayed at. They're going to believe God for things you've never been able to believe God for. Oh, yes. Mm. I'm spoon feeding you this right now. Well, today's message, we're going to start reading scripture, all right? Is it me or is it hot in here? It's hot? Because I'm never hot and I'm dying up here. Woo! Acts chapter 8. We're going to start Acts chapter 8. And we're going to read the first three verses in Acts chapter 8. And then we're going to jump to Acts chapter 9. So you could keep your Bible open. Right? And we read. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now Saul was consenting to his death. Now this is in regards to Stephen. Right? The martyr. He says, at that time a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Now let's, let's jump to Acts chapter 9. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters for him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way... Now, this is important. Of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly, 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 if you have a little highlighter, highlight it, if you want, underline it. Suddenly, a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? When God, listen, when God calls your name twice, he's displaying deep emotion. Right? Put your finger there. We're going to keep reading, but I want to I say this while the thought is still in my, in my head. 
Whenever you look in the scripture and you see the name repeated twice, there is so much emotion God has behind that, behind that action. Like if, if you remember that scene in, in uh, Luke chapter 10 when Mary and Martha were, were with Jesus and, and they were hosting him and, and Martha was just all over the place. She was doing, 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 but nothing that she was doing was really in alignment with what Jesus wanted to do with them at that moment. And he takes a, mo a time, and you see it in the verse, and he says, Martha, Martha, you are just so heavy laden, you know, with worry. And he, he, he hit to the point, but what he felt for her was that emotion of just, you know, you, you're not getting the best of having me here in your presence. So there's this compassion behind it. When, when he spoke to, to, to uh, Peter, he called him Simon, and he said, you know, Simon, Simon. And, and, and this is that scene in, in chapter 21 of John where, where um, Jesus meets them, you know, at the side of the sea, and, and he's, he's cooking fish for them. And Simon, know, he knows who Jesus is, but he stays at a distance. And, and he's at, he's, he, the last thing he wants to think of, that's Jesus. After what I've done, Jesus. I have to confront Jesus. And yet, with that compassion, we hear the voice of Jesus calling him, Simon, do you love me? Simon, will you feed my sheep? Simon. And then that repetition of that name. We see it when, when Jesus was in Matthew chapter 23 when he's looking at Jerusalem and, and his heart is weeping for Jerusalem. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times have I wanted to gather you like the hen gathers her chicks, but you would not let me. I mean, there's this compassion behind everything that Jesus does. And so... I just didn't want to lose that. But he's, he's doing it with Saul right here. And he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? See? Wow. And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So, he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. We're going to stop there. But I want to encourage you to just read, to keep reading um, after, after today's message. Because the title of today's message is Crossroads. Crossroads. And I think as a congregation, we are at a crossroad. You know? And so the Lord, the Lord had been taking me to this chapter like for the last two or three weeks. 
I, I've been going back into this chapter, into this scene, and looking at the life of Paul, Saul, let's start, let's start calling him Saul first before he became Paul. And so Saul was his Jewish name, which means desired, right? And Paul is his Roman name. Because he was born in a city, the city of, of Tarsus, this was the one free city in the Roman Empire. And so Paul had dual citizenship. He was both a Jew and he was also considered a citizen of Rome. And, you know, as, as I read this, I was thinking, God, you are so marvelous in the way you do things. Because before he was born, God had already designed and designated the place where Paul would be born, which would allow him access into Rome, into speaking to kings, to speaking to people of power and authority because of the fact that he had dual citizenship. God set that up. And, and Paul prided himself in being a Hebrew of Hebrews. Now, why, why did he emphasize that so much? Because both of his parents were of Hebrew descent. And so it wasn't like there was any mix, you know, like a, a Hebrew, you know, and a, Greek, a Jew and a Greek. No, it was two parents that were both full-blooded Hebrews. And so he took pride in that. And if you go back and you look a little in his history, you find that Paul was a very learned man. He studied with the best schools in, in Tarsus. And then from there, he, he transferred himself and he went to the best schools in Jerusalem, sat at the feet of the biggest scholar of the day, Gamaliel, right? Pharisee among Pharisees. And he learned, really, he loved the word. He loved the law, really, the law. He loved the black and white print of the law. See, because when you look at him, you're saying, this is an evil man. I mean, look at all the things he was doing to these poor Christians that are not bothering anybody. Look what he did to Stephen. He, st he stood there and he actually took upon himself the responsibility of the death of a man when the clothes of, Steve of Stephen were brought and put placed at his feet. He proudly took that death as something to be proud of among the people. And so, really, when you look at Saul, you realize that this man really loved God. And I think all of us that are seated here today can say that we love God. We wouldn't be here. We'd be somewhere else doing something else. We love God. And so now we have to ask ourselves the questions that I'm sure Saul is going to be asking himself is, I love God, and if I love God so much, am I doing the things that God wants me to do? Or am I doing the things that I think he wants me to do? But they're all generated in my flesh. See, so Paul had the black and white letter of the law. What he didn't have, have was the rima of the word, which is the spirit of the word. See, you can tell me, Pastor, I know, I know that scripture. I've read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I know the scripture. The question is, do you know the author of the scripture? Do you know who is listed in John chapter 1 who says, I am the word? Do you know the word? 
which is Jesus. Do you know the Holy Spirit, which was sent to us so that we could be able to walk this walk and to be, you know, make it to the end? I said, I don't want to make a walk that's going to leave me halfway or a third of the way. If you look at this picture that's up here, this is where we are right now. We're in this crossroad trying to decide whether we are willing to pursue the Holy Spirit or whether we're comfortable where we are. You could be comfortable where you are and go to heaven. You know, I'm not saying you're not going to go to heaven. What I'm saying is that you will not have experienced the fullness of what God had for you when you set limits to what God can do to you, through you, and for you. You set limits. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit. So here we find Saul very passionate about this work that he's taken upon himself. And, you know, he's a young buck. And he goes to the high priest and he says, you know, I could, I could wash out all these, these Christians. Give me letters. Give me papers of authority. Because the synagogue and the priests in Jerusalem had much power and control over all the synagogues in that whole area. So if something came down from the high priest in Jerusalem that this is what's going to happen, all the synagogues would then participate in whatever the high priest said. And so he wanted those letters because he knew that was going to give him access. He knew that the, that the Christians were leaving Jerusalem and they were running for their lives with their families. And he heard about this growing group of Christians that had moved into Damascus. Now, Damascus at that time was the number one city of Syria. And it still continues to be that today, where there's like 1.7 million Syrians that live in Damascus. And so he asked for these letters because he's going to flush out these Christians. He's going to flush out these people that are part of the way. And he's going to stop this because this is going to affect their, you know, status quo. This is how we do our service. This is how we follow the law, the black and white of the law. And nothing is going to get in the way of the black and white of the law, not even God himself. This is how he was acting, that not even God himself was going to get in the way. And so... He heads to Damascus, which is approximately 172 miles from Jerusalem. Now, 172 miles. For us, in a car, we get there, no, right? But we know that they didn't have cars, they didn't have buses, they didn't have taxis. No planes. And so, it does, the scripture doesn't tell us that he fell off a horse. But for some reason, we have come to assume that he fell off a horse because he was pretty much in a rush to get to Damascus. He was on a mission. And he wanted to go. So people just say, oh, he must have fallen off a horse. It would take six days' journey to get from Jerusalem to Damascus. And I think he was, in, he pretty much wanted to get there. And he wasn't going alone. So he had a group of men with him that were going to get into the, break into the homes of Christians. See, they were going to go to the synagogues. They were going to tell the people in the synagogues, you tell us who's new to your synagogue. 
You tell us who's talking and speaking and sharing things that are not part of the law, that are part of the way. You just tell us who they are. We're going to get them. We're going to gather them. We're going to collect them and take them to Jerusalem where they will be imprisoned and they will be tried and judged. That was the plan. And so the scripture tells us that as he got closer to Damascus, he has a Holy Spirit. I say I called it the Holy Spirit encounter. He had a heavenly encounter. See? And, you know, even though we, we don't know whether he was walking or he was on horse, I like to think he was on a horse, just for my own personal interpretation of the word. I think he was on a horse because he was in a rush. He wanted to get there. And so we have to ask ourselves, what kind of a horse am I on? What, what horse am I on? Am I in a horse of indifference where, you know, I'm just going along and I see that, that, that the Holy Spirit is doing something here. I see that the Holy Spirit is doing something there. I see that the Holy Spirit is doing something in the lives of people. But you know what? That has nothing to do with me. I'm on the scenic route. And I'm just going along. And it, I have no cares at all. I have no interest at all. I don't have anything stirring up in me at all that has to do with the Holy Spirit. And so I'm on my little horse of indifference. And even though God will call out to me, and even though God will call my name, and even though he's trying to reach me, I refuse to acknowledge him. You'd say, no, I don't think anybody would do that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Seated in this congregation are all the types that I'm going to talk to you about right now. And one of those are people of indifference. They feel nothing. They don't acknowledge anything. It's like, I'm here because of God, but I don't want to deal with Holy Spirit. I'm okay with God the Father. He created all things, including me. I'm okay with Jesus. He came, lived, died, rose again for me, for my salvation. I'm okay with that. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, where the Scripture tells me that the Holy Spirit digs into the deepest, most inner parts of my beings and knows me better than I know myself, I got an issue there. I don't want anyone seeing the secrets that I have hid in the, in the innermost part of my life. I don't want people to dig around where I may have wounds and I may have scars and I may have issues in my life that I don't want to deal with because if I have to deal with it, I got to confront them. You know, and the Holy Spirit is saying, I want to heal you. It's going to hurt a little because I got to take the scab off. You understand? But when I dig in there and I take out that infection that's going deeper and deeper and getting to the marrow of your bone, you have got to let me do it. And we're like, Holy Spirit... Stop right there. I hear of what you do in the lives of people. I know that you change lives. I know that you transform lives. I know that. But I just don't want to go there. I'm okay how I serve the Lord right now. I'm okay just floating along in this walk and not really experiencing greatness of God. 
Once you experience the greatness of God, you cannot go back. I'm telling you, you can't. God will never let you go. You are the ones that let him go and leave. He waits for you right at the same intersection that you dropped him off. That's exactly where he's waiting for you to pick you up again. Do you understand? There is no, in God, time is, he has such control of time that for him, he's picking up right where you left him off. He's not seeing all the mistakes you made. He's not seeing all the sins you made because he's forgiving you of those. So for him, you're right at the same spot. But we have such difficulty to let the Holy Spirit come in and do what he desperately needs to do in your life. Desperately wants to do. He does not like to see you suffer. For some reason, we insist on suffering. For some reason, we want to be in continual pain. For some reason, we want to be depressed. Aren't you stinking tired of being depressed? Aren't you stinking tired of being anxious? Aren't you stinking tired of being insecure? Aren't you? I, listen, the list could go on. I could, I could go on with this list from now to tomorrow. Get good and tired of it and say, God, I just can't keep this together anymore. We fight and we struggle to keep garbage together in our lives. You ever watch that show, Hoarding? What is it called? Hoarders. They shuffle that dirt all over the place. But it's not going anywhere. They shuffle it from this room to that room. And they shuffle it over here. We're shuffling garbage in our lives continuously. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Shuffle. And you know what? You can shuffle it all you want. It still stinks. You can shuffle it all you want. It still brings vermin in. You know what I'm saying? It's still bringing the rats and the roaches. And the, do you understand what I'm saying? That's what's going on. If we would only allow the Holy Spirit to clean us out. And this is how gentle the Holy Spirit is. That he knows up to where you can endure. And so we have layer upon layer upon layer of mess in our lives, and yet the Holy Spirit takes one layer at a time. One layer at a time. When do you know that it's time for the next layer? You feel the restlessness in your spirit. You feel it. You feel like, okay, something is up. Um, something is going on in my life. You know, I'm, I'm feeling dissatisfied. I'm feeling like something is incomplete. And, you, and if you go to the Holy Spirit and tell him, Holy Spirit, can you just tell me what's going on in my life? And he'll respond and he'll tell you, it's time for that next level. It's time for that next layer. It's time. And that's how you know. And every single layer that you allow the Holy Spirit to remove out of your life, you feel the lightness of your freedom. Because that, that, that is what the Holy Spirit replaces us with. Freedom. Freedom in your lives. Freedom in your worship. Freedom. <coughs> There's the horse of arrogance. Yeah, you're on that horse of arrogance. Nobody's going to tell. I don't care what pastor says. Nobody's going to tell me. 
that I'm opening up myself to the Holy Spirit. God knows who I am, and he knows, he knows who I am, and I know who he is. I'm going to give God just what I think I should give him. And what I don't feel like giving him, he doesn't want it anyway because God wants me to give him with a cheerful heart. Talk about misapplication of the verse. Major misapplication of the verse. You know what I know from God reading his scripture? Is that there are things that he will ask us to do that we don't want to do. That are not pleasant for us. That are not what we had expected, imagined, or planned. And when we follow in obedience, this is only a God thing. This is only a thing that he could do. That he'll take something that we don't want to do that's unpleasant for us. And he turns it around and we wind up getting blessed by that same thing that we were refusing and rejecting. You see it all through scripture. The horse of denial. This is for those people. Oh, yeah, I could point out in the congregation who really needs Holy Spirit. This is not for me. This is for that person and that person and that person. That person got issues. They really need a dose of Holy Spirit. We're in denial. Every single one of us is in need of the Holy Spirit on a continual basis from the morning you wake up to at night when you go to bed. Every person. Sorry, I need a drink of water. <coughs> now, remember where I left off? Remember where I left off? On the moment you wake up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Since May the 4th. Every single morning, I wake up, and the first thing that impacts my life is Holy Spirit. I feel him all around me. I feel him speaking to me all day long. There's moments where he says, drop that, stop that, go over there, do this. And I'm learning to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Every, it, huh? The horse of disobedience. That, we could have horses from now to tomorrow. Learning to be obedient. The Holy Spirit says, stop what you're doing. And, and, and this is a part that's going to really, really flip your wig. Is that, that means he's going to disrupt your schedule and your agenda. And your plans. Well, I'm sorry, Pastor, but I have a beach trip this weekend. It's been planned out. My whole family's going. We're celebrating somebody's birthday over there. And so, Holy Spirit, I hear you calling me, but I have alternate plans for this weekend. Check up on me next weekend. Yeah, he's got, oh, give me a pin, somebody. I'm going to drop it right here. 
He's going to disrupt your plans. Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit disrupt your plan? The thing is that these moments in the Spirit, they keep going. They keep going. Whatever you missed yesterday, you missed it. Whatever you missed last Sunday, you missed it. And there is an accumulation of blessing that takes on. Accumulation of blessing. See? So you, you really want to be sensitive to the Spirit. Now, I'm not telling you don't go on vacation. and I'm not telling you don't make family trips. I'm telling you be sensitive to the Spirit. Because there may be something that the Spirit has to deposit in your life that God determined for you for a specific moment. And if you don't listen, you miss it. You miss these moments with the Holy Spirit. And so I'm learning. So every, every evening, Pastor Jay and I, we have this routine. Every evening we listen to a message on the Holy Spirit. We listen. We go to bed hearing Holy Spirit. All through the night, sometimes I got my, my ear thing on, and it's just Holy Spirit coming through. And I pick up nuggets as I sleep. And I don't think I've slept better than I have slept since May 4th. And I go to sleep with Holy Spirit, and I wake up with Holy Spirit, and he's constantly telling me things, constantly just opening me up to, to his word and his revelation and You know, in the kitty parties, they always have that little pony that looks like he's at death's door. And they take the poor little kids and that poor little pony is going round. Okay, next. Round. Next. Round. Can you get off the kitty ride? Can you? Can you say, I'm tired of this kitty ride? That I just come Sunday to Sunday to Sunday, and I'm doing the same old thing. I come in. I do a little worship. Not too intense. Mm, let, me, let me take it easy. Do my little worship. Give my little offering. Hear a little word. Okay, time to get up. Say bye to a few people as I run out to the door. And I've done my kitty ride for the Sunday. Get off. Your kitty ride. God means business. He's told us that. Pastor Jay said it from up here a couple of weeks ago, right? God is not playing games anymore. We are in a critical time of the history of man. We are really living in the last of the last days. He doesn't have time to massage you, to get you into the ha-ha-ha place that you're willing to let him come in. He's saying you either do it or you don't. Oh, sorry about that. The interesting thing about Saul is the moment that he has that encounter and he sees Jesus, the brightness of Jesus, he immediately immediately understood that he was Lord. You didn't just call everybody Lord. You call Lord someone who has authority over you. And immediately he knew. And he said, Lord, who are you? Who are you, Lord? And what do you want me to do? That 
quick. The Lord will change and transform your life. That quick. And the Lord tells him, don't fight against the gold. I looked up this gold thing. Don't fight against the gold. The gold was a long, extremely sharp <laughs> stick that they, the farmers would use to hit the ox to make them walk. But when the ox didn't want to walk, he would kick against the gold, the stick, and inflict in himself more pain and suffering. So Jesus is telling him, don't kick against the gold. Don't cause yourself and inflict upon yourself more pain. Do you understand? And so here as part of this encounter where Jesus tells him, well, he asks, what do you want me to do? And the Lord tells him, get up. You're going to go into the city of Damascus, which is a Gentile city. And we all know that Paul was considered the Gentile, uh, the apostle sent to the Gentiles and the Jews. So here, not only does he have uh, an encounter with Jesus on the road to a Gentile city, he has to go into the Gentile city in order to get his sight back and his working orders. See? The scripture tells us that he was blinded for three days. Yeah. His vision had to change from a vision of, I'm just following the black and white of the law, to now his vision had to change to say, I'm looking and I'm following and I'm seeing that the black and white of the law was leading me to this moment with Jesus, the Messiah. That, that takes a lot for somebody who was, who was so immersed in the study of the law. Now it takes him three days. What do you think happened in those three days? What, what do you think happened? I've read this chapter over and over and over, and I, and I said, in those three days, he sat in the midst of his darkness. He wouldn't eat. He wouldn't drink. And he saw his life. He saw how committed he was to the law. He saw how all the signs in the scripture were there pointing toward Jesus. And he was blind to them and he refused to acknowledge them or see them. And yet he knew the law better than many, many, many Jews. He missed it. If I was him in those three days, I would have been saying, how did I miss this? How did I not see this? How did I not see all the signs? I knew this. How could I not have seen that this was the Messiah that was taken to the cross? How could I not see that these people that are following in the way, that these are people that have gotten it and I still haven't gotten it? Three days. Three days for a transformation of his vision, for a transformation of his mind, for his, the transformation of his passion. Are you passionate for God? Are you passionate for him? How do you know if you're passionate for God? You think about him every day. You want to spend some time with him every day. Like God acknowledges that you have to work. You have to feed your family and take care of your kids. He acknowledges that some of you have to go to school to further your careers. He acknowledges all of that. But where do you place God 
in the love of your heart? Where do you place him in the passion that you have? Is your job more important than God is? Because I tell you, if you worry about your job, if you worry about school, if you worry about all of these things, you know, if you just put God first, all things will be added unto you. Your, your job, you'll find grace there. You'll be promoted and people will say, how are you getting promoted? You've just been here a year. I've been here 10 years and I'm sitting in the same job. Grace. Grace. When you put God first in all of your things, put God first in your relationships. Yeah. Put God first in your friendships. There's friendships you have that are not good for you, that don't take you anywhere but down the road to despair. Yeah. This, let me tell you, the last couple of days, Pastor Jay and I, we've been kind of getting together with, with, with folks and, you know, we break bread and then we start having conversation about Jesus. Right? We didn't even notice. One, we were there like four hours. We didn't even notice. We were having such a great time just talking about Jesus and pouring Jesus into each other. That's wonderful. Those are the kind of friendships you have to cultivate. But when you have friendships where you sit down and all you, you're throwing at the table is poison and all people want to do is spit out all the garbage in them, but they, they spit, oh, it's like the dog. Mm. They vomit and then they lick it back up. I just ruined your lunch. That's okay. That's okay. I couldn't let that one go. Yes, yes. And, what are you, and you, try to, you try across the table to tell them something that's going to encourage them and, and lift their lives. And they don't want to hear it. They, they're too busy licking up the vomit off the table. I don't know about you, but I ain't got no time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Get yourself surrounded by people that are going to increase your relationship with God. Surround yourself with godly people that are walking in the way with you. Surround your children around people, around other kids that are going to bring something to your children. Oh, yeah. I could keep going, but I'm not. So here I see this congregation in this crossroad. And you know what? Pastor Jay and I have understood because we have spent many years trying to get those that are stuck in that crossroad to join the other group. See? And that's been our focus. Can't we get these people moved over to the other side of the road? But the Lord has been working with us. He's telling us, you're going to focus on those that want to go on the way. Those that are, that, want, that are hungry for the Holy Spirit. For those that want change and transformation in their lives. You know, you know that spouse you have that you, you've been trying to get him to know Jesus and hasn't? You know why he hasn't moved anywhere or she hasn't moved anywhere? Because you're stuck in that crossroad. You haven't made a serious decision for Christ. And so until you don't do that, the promises in the word for you and yours are not coming to pass. Because you need to get yourself on the road. You have relatives. Just think. You're sitting there right now and you're going to think of all these relatives you have. Brothers, sisters, cousins, nieces, nephews. That are lost in their sin right now. Right? 
How are you going to help them find Jesus when you're stuck in that crossroad? You want me to make a decision for Jesus and you haven't even made one? You think that you've made one from the moment that you raised your hand and you said, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But you don't stay at the foot of the cross. Jesus didn't even stay on the cross. He came down from the cross and he rose again. And so you got to get away from the, from the sitting at the feet of the cross and you got to say, I've received what I've gotten from the cross. Now I got to run with this. I got to run with this. I got to walk this walk. I got to walk what Jesus walked. I got to uh, follow that path that Jesus followed. And I've got to commit myself to serving God. Either commit to serving God or get off the pot. Commit to serving God 100%. And like I said, this is what it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you a change of your plans. It's going to cost you a change of your relationships. It's going to cost you a change of your lifestyle. It's going to cost you a change in the way that you think and you act and you speak and you walk. It's going to cause all of that. Holy Spirit. This is the last thing I'm going to say. What keeps you? <laughs> Thank you, Tom. <laughs> what keeps you from making a decision for the Holy Spirit. Personalize this now. It was easy when we're talking congregationally. Oh yeah, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. But now we're personalizing this and you're going to look here and you're going to say, what keeps me from making a decision to follow the Holy Spirit? Is it fear? Fear is the biggest thing. I'm afraid of what this is going to mean for me. I'm afraid of what this is going to cost me. I'm afraid of, you know, how this is going to change me. I'm afraid of, you know, like my plans and my agendas and everything that I have scheduled for my life. This is, you know, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Fear is not of God. It's absolutely not. Fear is what will keep you at that crossroad. The enemy wants to keep you at that crossroad as long as he can. Because while he keeps you at that crossroad, you are missing out on the fullness and the blessings of God. If I could keep them from experiencing the blessings of God, it's a good thing because I have a chance at any moment to turn them. To turn them. This is a, this is a very dangerous spot to be at this crossroad. Very dangerous. You know that a lot of accidents happen at the crossroad when people can't decide to go left or right? And you're smack in the middle. You're going to get hit by a car that doesn't know where they're going. The enemy looks for those opportunities to catch you in that crossroad. The commitment and the cost of the commitment, you know, having to change my life, my way of doing things. This is, I'm, I'm not lying to you. This is going to shake you up. It's going to stir you up. It's going to turn you upside down and inside out. And this is what we as a church are in the moment of. The cost. There's always a cost to being obedient to God. It's going to cost you family it's going to cost you friends. It's going to cost you things. But these are temporary things. None of these things can you take with you to, into eternity. You know that? You can't take any of these things, your possessions, you know, your job, that job that you, you want to die for. You know what? You, you, you drop dead there and they walk over your body, your cold body, and put the next person in the seat. You know that, right? You do realize that. 
they mourning you too long. Oh, let us gather together as a team and let's remember our friend Jane Doe. She passed away today. Well, Jane's gone. Next. Mary, Mary, come on, you got to do this job now. None of that. None of that has lasting rewards. None of it. The only thing that has lasting rewards for you that you take with you, it's what you've done in the will of the Father. In the will of the Father. Not what I feel like doing, but the will of the Father. God, what do you want me to do? I want to do the things that please you. I want to follow in the direction that you want me to go in. God, what pleases you? That's how we have to talk. And this is why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives every day. It helps you make decisions in your life every day. Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I go up? Do I go down? Lord, what should I do? And this is my standard statement now. I always say, Lord, if it pleases you. If it pleases you, Lord. You, you allow me to do this? And, and then sometimes I get that check that says, mm-mm. All right, I'm letting that one go. Because the Lord is telling me I got to let that one go. See, and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. This is what's going to happen. I'm praying only for those people who are at this crossroad and want to pursue the Holy Spirit. That's all I'm praying for right now, today. And this is how we're going to do it. We're going to start. This, the, the Holy Spirit gave me this plan at 6 o'clock this morning. And I'm being obedient to it. We're starting with our leadership. We're starting with our elders. We're starting with leaders of some of our departments. Because if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, then maybe you need to evaluate where you're at. And that's okay. Take your moments to evaluate. But whoever comes to make this commitment, covenant, covenant is huge with God. Covenant means, you know, I'm going to do my part, you're going to do your part, and we're going to be faithful to, to this agreement. That covenant is huge with God. Go look at the Bible. And we're going to start with leadership. And the Lord showed me that we're drawing a line here. And we're stepping into another dimension. Those that are hungry and willing to walk into the path. Okay? Could you put the next, uh, Cassie, could you put the next, the next, uh, see? You either want to say the same old street or you want to go to Change Boulevard. Right? So we're going to start with leadership, then we're going to move to the congregation. I want you to take the time to consider all these things that I just told you. God means business, commitment, cost, your willingness to move in whatever direction the Lord says. And this is what, I, what the Lord told me, that within three days, you will feel and experience the transformation in your life. Those of you that cross into the next dimension. Three days. On Wednesday, we have prayer service here. Wednesday will be the continuation of this. In this sense. That by Wednesday, three, at least three or more. People 
will approach me and say, Pastor, I am going to testify on Sunday what the Lord did in my life during these days. Did you catch that? I hope you caught it. Three days. There's, there's something in this three days. In the scripture, we see it three days, Jonah. Three days, Jesus. Three. Three, three days. For those of you who want to pursue Holy Spirit, you're going to find this transformation in your lives. And three or more of you will approach me on Wednesday and say, Pastor, I'm testifying on Sunday what the Lord has done. I don't want you to testify about what he did 20 years ago. What he did during this transformation period. You understand? Because that's going to encourage the rest of us. And those that don't get on board, that's fine. If you're not ready to make this commitment, that's fine. But I'm hoping that when you hear the testimony of what God's doing in the lives of others, it will urge you and compel you to want to pursue God the same way. All right? So don't worry about who's on your left or your right. These are very personal decisions. Pastor Jay and I, as the pastors in the house, we are going to take this step with you. But we're facing that way. So we're walking that way. All right? So... I'm going to give you a moment. Those of you on this line, you're going to close your eyes. Think about the commitment. Remember what I told you? God may change your plans. He may change around what your agenda is. He may change your calendar. He's going to call you to meet with him. Think about all of that. You still have time before you take that step. All right? Now, they're going to play something. I'm going to give you a minute. When I, say th when I say one, two, three, when I say three, we're all stepping one step forward. All right? All right? Just a, just a moment. Hallelujah. The Son and the Holy Spirit. In the, we're going to say in the name of the Father. In the name of the Son, and when I say in the name of the Holy Spirit, then you're going to take that step. Okay? One, minute, one moment. That's what we're going to do instead of one, two, three. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? Get ready. In the name of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray blessings on everyone in this line who've made a commitment for you, O oh Lord, to pursue you, to pursue you no matter what, whatever you ask. The commitment is clear. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Father, I pray blessings on this line, on these families that have come together in commitment to you. I pray, Lord, that they be able to hear you, even the children, let them hear you clearly in the midst of the night, Lord, them to be able to have visions and dreams of you. I pray blessings on all aspects of their lives and their family through this whole line. In the name of Jesus, God's people said amen. I'm hearing like the... The sound of popping. As we step forward, I hear the sound of popping. 
It's almost like ears are opening, senses are being um, reprogrammed. In these next three days, your senses are going to be reprogrammed. You're going to hear things that you never heard. You're going to see things you never saw. You're going to experience things you never experienced. So I hear like a popping, almost like, like there was something that was plugged, and it was tight, and I hear the popping. So um, do, not, do not belittle the things of the Spirit. Do not take them for granted. This is symbol, symbolic, but there's something happening right now. As you do this, there's something that's busting, is bursting in the heavenlies as you make this commitment. So, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I pray blessings on this line. Father, I could, like Pastor Jay said, I could hear the breaking of the links of the chains that the enemy has had around the lives of people. I hear the breaking of the chains, the deliverance, the freedom. In the name of Jesus, something's breaking in this line. Something, you're, you're letting the Holy Spirit in. Something is breaking on this line. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, just, just, just bless them, Lord. Their comings, their goings. Lord, their heart, transformation of heart, transformation of mind, a change of vision. Some of you are getting your eyesights readjusted in the name of Jesus on this line. On this line. We pray blessings on you in the name of Jesus. Oh, oh, you're going to turn to your right. You're going to turn to your right. You're going to walk in that direction. Hallelujah. Listen, all through the day, you're going to be feeling this within you. There's, there's something that's happening from this moment. You're going to be feeling something is stirring up within your spirit. It's stirring up. You're going to start seeing, remember, three days, you're going to see this transformation coming on. Instead of thinking so much on the cost, I want you to think more on the gain. I want you to switch that, and instead of thinking of what this is going to cost you, I want you to think what I'm gaining in him. If some of you kids will experience something before you even experience it. So if your kids wake up this week and they share something with you, don't be surprised. Through the mouth of babes. Last week we had a little kid here kneeling the altar. While everybody was over there singing their songs, there was a little kid kneeling here. God is doing something through the children, so. Close your eyes. Oh. Oh. I'm asking Holy Spirit, like Pastor said, breathe on this line, Lord. Breathe, breathe. Holy Spirit, breathe on this line. Hallelujah. Oh, fresh wind is coming in, taking away staleness, taking away things from the past, taking away all mindsets. Yeah, yeah. Holy Spirit is coming. Oh, you're going to see your value in Christ on this line. Clarity of vision, clarity of vision. Oh, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Oh. Pray these things. Say, Lord, I don't want to be lukewarm anymore. Father, I don't want to compromise anymore. Take a moment, this line. Take a moment. Take a moment. 
God, I want to have thoughts of you. Clean up my relationships. Clean up my friendships. Clean up my circles. In the name of Jesus. All right. Now, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Padre, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Hijo, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, in the name of the Espíritu Santo, take your step forward. One step forward. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray blessings on this line. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, Lord. Give them dreams and visions of you, Lord. Cleanse their hearts and their minds. Let them be drawn to you every single day. In the name of Jesus, I pray it for this line. Hallelujah. Father, I pray blessings on this line. I pray blessings of healing. I pray blessings of prosperity. I pray blessings of an increase in the spirituality in their lives. I pray for an increase, oh Lord, in the cleansing. Oh, fresh wind. Fresh wind is blowing on this line. Fresh wind is blowing, blowing away doubts, insecurities, blowing away pain, blowing away, listen, even in the force of it, the scabs are coming off. Some of these wounds, scabs are coming off. And the Holy Spirit is cleansing. He's doing a deep cleansing in this line. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to do, my next steps, because the Holy Spirit is going to guide me every step of the way in this line. In the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Thank you. And the rest of the day, you're going to keep feeling this transformation in your lives. You're going to keep feeling this, this. In the next three days, you're going to be feeling this. Stirring up inside of you. It's the Holy Spirit. Whoa, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Forgive us for not, for ignoring you many times. And taking you for granted. And so I declare that the devil will not rob uh, this commitment that we've made today. And I declare, as pastor has prophesied and spoke, that these three days will be glorious. Days of revelation, of dreams, of visions, of holy encounters with the Holy Spirit. And so we just thank you, and we will hear the testimonies of what you've begun here even this morning. We release your people. Lord, as they go into the world, may they be torches ablaze, lights on fire that would go and chase the darkness and chase hell every place that they go, every place that their foot steps into this week, whether it's work, whether it's a supermarket, whether it's the, the neighborhood, every place they go, that they would take hell and chase it out of town and they would establish your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Be blessed.